A good haircut can be a game changer. I mean, everybody wants to look their best for those social media pics, right? So get yourself to Sport Clips at Sport Clips Haircuts. They hair do like no one else hair does. See what they did there? Not only is it the home of champion haircuts, but they've also made relaxing and unwinding the name of the game. Level up your haircut with the MVP haircut experience. It's a spa day for your follicles. Check this out. You get a seven pressure point massaging shampoo along with a perfectly steamed hot towel all while sports plays on the TV. Does it get any better than that? No. You can want it all and have it all at Sport Clips. It's a game changer. I know you have heard this before. Work smarter, not harder. Ford has heard it too. That's why the Ford F-150 truck helps you get the job done in the smartest way possible. I mean, the pro-access tailgate alone is a game changer. It improves access to the bed and cargo, which makes it easier to load in tight spaces. See? Smarter. It's also got a mobile power source and pro power on board, so you can power up to 7.2 kilowatts outside your F-150 truck. That is definitely working smarter. And imagine what you can do with that power at your next tailgate party. Tough this smart can only be called F-150. Find your local Ford dealer at Ford.com. Pro access tailgate available starting spring 2024. See owner's manual for important operating instructions. All right, welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll, and it's Friday. So you know what that means. It's time for the Duff McKagan joke of the week. Chris Jericho, it's Duff McKagan calling you. Hey, listen, uh, the uh, couple went to see the therapist, and the therapist asked the wife, uh, what, what brings you in here? And she said, well, my husband takes everything so literally. Everything's literal. And so the therapist goes, okay, okay. Ask the husband, well, what brought you in here? And he said, my truck. Thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, that deserves a chuckle and not much more. But thank you, Duff. You can see him on the road with Guns N' Roses this summer, starting June 1st in Abu Dhabi. And they're touring Europe and North America before the huge Power Trip Festival this October in Indio, California. They're headlining Friday night along with Iron Maiden, ACDC, Ozzy, uh, Metallica and Tool close it out on Sunday night. What a crazy festival that's going to be. Uh, Fozzie's on the road again, too, though. We've been having a great time. So many sellout shows uh, this tour. We started again last night in Charlotte. We're playing tonight in Baltimore. Still tickets available. Looks like we're probably going to sell it in Syracuse. If you want to get some tickets, there's a few left. And then we're in Philly on Sunday. And then we've got Virginia Beach on Monday. So, so many great shows. Our biggest U.S. tour ever. Go to FozzieRock.com. And come check us out on these last four gigs of the tour. And then we take a short break and go straight out with Ugly Kid Joe starting May 4th in Los Angeles at the Regent. we got shows in Las Vegas, Albuquerque, Houston, Dallas, Tampa, uh, all across America. And the full list and all ticket information at FozzyRock.com. And there are VIP meet and greets available. One of the best in the business. We meet you, take pictures with you, sign autographs, play a private mini gig for you. So go to FozzyRock.com and we'll see you on the road. All right, today... It's my Q&A session from the Four Leaf Clover, uh, the Jericho cruise. It rained one afternoon on the ship, so we couldn't uh, dock and couldn't go to shore. So we decided to do the spontaneous Q&A um, on, the, on, the, uh, on the ship to uh, give people some extra added value. Answered a bunch of audience, submitted questions, told some great stories. I talked about my match with Action Andretti and how that came together, why he was able to get the win in that one. You hear why The Rock is my all-time favorite opponent in a lot of ways who I met and talked to hanging out in Gold's Gym as a kid in Winnipeg in the 80s, and which WWE stars at the time gave me the best advice. I talk about Kevin Owens and the Festival of Friendship, and I even answer whether or not I would have retired if AEW had not started. I talk about some of the big AEW moments that have happened on the cruise, like the Ass Boys and Dr. Britt Baker DMD. I run down some of my best and worst catchphrases, and I take some questions about shooting movies with Kevin Smith, doing plays in high school, and how Chris Jericho's Rockin' Racing Rager at Sea got started. So, let's go. The Jericho Q&A starts now on Talk is Jericho. Alright, let's get to some questions. This is, uh, this is from Amy C. Amy C., what are you going to do with your fingers when you get to Rager number 11? Are you going to just add an additional finger to your hand? Someone snuck weed on the boat. 
Well, Amy C., I do have another appendage available. Is that a Chris's dick chant? Chris's dick chant. Only on the Jericho cruise. F*** the pigs and Chris's dick. We're off to a good start. There we go. We are classy. All right. This question is from Lonnie M. Whose wrestling style meshed best with you, making it easiest to reduce uh, either one or a lot of great matches? Um, I think, and we looked through these questions, and I like that one because there's a lot of answers, but I think still to this day, one of my all-time favorite opponents was The Rock. And I'll tell you the reason why. The Rock was such a juggernaut on the microphone. It was almost impossible for guys to go toe-to-toe with him because he was so good. I was able to go toe-to-toe with him as a heel. So he finally had a counterpart that could match him on the mic. And if he was here, he would, he would probably agree with that. So he was the perfect baby face, and I was the perfect heel to go against him because I could deal with him on the microphone and, 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 and zing him back. And obviously there's a different way of doing promos when you're the baby face because you, you get the insults on the heel, but the heel still has to be really, really good to be able to volley back. And I think we always had so many great matches, even though here's the thing about, about, about The Rock is that he was only in the business a very short time. You know, like he, he's been gone out of wrestling for 20 odd years. But when he was at his peak was 99, 2000 and 2001. And I think one of his one of his best foils at that time was was me. So that's I always think back to those times. And we, we worked so many house shows. We did a tour of Tokyo. Uh, Malaysia and Singapore and all of those shows we were uh, in the main event had a great match but the best part was after the match we would do about 20 minutes of improv to where you would just make stuff up after the after the match was done and Pat Patterson uh, God bless Pat Patterson Pat Patterson Memorial Karaoke every night here in the Jericho's Pat was so furious at us. You have this amazing match and then you do 20 minutes of bullshit. This is terrible. But people love the 20 minutes of bullshit. And whatever we could figure out to do, we would do. And I remember one time we were in Singapore and someone threw a balloon in the ring. And I was like, we, would, we, we did the match and, and afterwards I was like, you know, this is, this, is, this is just terrible. Like everybody here in Malaysia hates me. You hate me. My only friend is this balloon. And I can't remember what I said. His name is Melvin the Balloon or something like that. So we did like 10 minutes of Rock's like, do you mind if The Rock speaks to Melvin? <laughs> Hello, Melvin. I'm The Rock. And like just ridiculous stuff. And at the end of it, he grabs Melvin and he pops the balloon. People go, <laughs> people went nuts for it though. <laughs> and they're just, and I was so devastated that, uh, that, he, that he, he killed my only friend. And then Rock's like, I'm so sorry. I'll give you a hug, shake my hand, and then he gives me a rock bottom, the end, right? But I just never forget, Melvin the Balloon got the biggest pop of this whole show. And that's how you know you're over, where you can get a f- balloon uh, over in the middle of the ring. Yeah, not to be outdone, uh, Swerve Strickland destroyed a beach ball on the first night, and that was f- great, too. That was Melvin's cousin. <laughs> This question is from Charlie W. Who was your who was your inspiration to make you wanted to get into pro wrestling? So when I was a kid, I had a, a couple uh, heroes uh, wrestling. The first the first one was Hulk Hogan. I was a huge Hulkamaniac when I was a kid, and I think if you grew up in the eighties, like everybody was a Hulkamaniac. Like he was so good uh, with with the crowd. You know, he was he was such a great babyface. And even when I had a chance to work with him for probably three or four months, I think in 2001 or two, best babyface ever. So easy to work with, really knew how to work his crowd. Um, so that was kind of the first guy that I was ever uh, really uh, into wrestling-wise. And then I started watching Stampede Wrestling, which was from Calgary, and I saw Owen Hart. Yeah. Owen Hart was like so amazing. If you guys haven't seen Owen's work, 
Go look some of it up on YouTube, especially when he was younger. He was so great. He was this perfect mix of Japanese and Mexican uh, style wrestling with amateur style. Like he was such a great high flyer. And I used to draw pictures in uh, in class, which is why I failed math and chemistry. I was too busy drawing pictures of wrestlers. And I drew a picture of Chris Jericho. Or what was I calling myself at the time? I can't remember. I think Jack Action. Jack Action. <laughs> and, That's an inside joke. And, and so yeah, my original idea for a name was Jack Action. Uh, thanks to the Lance Storm, I didn't use it. But um, I drew a picture of uh, Chris and Owen Hart, the Calgary. Stampede Wrestling Tag Team Champions. I still have the picture. I actually showed it to Martha, Owen's, Owen's widow. And it's just like I was just, I wanted to be the next Owen Hart. Like that's all I wanted to do. Um, he, Owen used to do a backflip from the top rope into the ring. And I just was obsessed with that. I have to do a backflip. I have to do a backflip. And when I was a, a, a kid, I used to hang out at Gold's Gym in Winnipeg where all the wrestlers used to hang out. They would train, and I would just sit there and watch them. And they were all just huge, right? And I would only talk to the smaller guys because I was too nervous to talk to the big guys. Couldn't talk to the warlord. Couldn't talk to the ultimate warrior. Coco Beware, that's my guy. I'll go talk to him. He actually asked me if uh, I said, hey, Coco, I'm a big fan of yours. Uh, the Pile Driver album had just come out. And I was like, I'm a big fan of your singing. And he was like, thanks. Let me ask you a question. Yes, sir. Do you know where I can get some cocaine? <laughs> to be fair, it was for the bird. Okay, it was for the bird. <laughs> I'm like 16. I'm like, uh, let me ask uh, my contacts on the street. <laughs> like, the mean streets of Winnipeg. <laughs> Winnipeg. But I, I, and then Shawn Michaels was one of those guys. And I said to Shawn, like, how do you do a backflip? He said, you just got to go up there and do it, brother. So I went up to the top rope. We were used to train in this uh, ring in a, in a, in a barn outside of Calgary, and I went to the top rope, and I was like, I gotta do this backflip. Shawn Michaels said, just go for it. Owen Hart did it, and I did my first backflip, and I landed it perfectly, uh, and I couldn't believe it, but I was like, I'm, 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 I'm the next Owen Hart. I can do a backflip. That's it. So Owen was, was another one, and then Ricky Steamboat. Who yeah. then you got to wrestle. Yeah. You yeah. Got, like, that, that, whole, that whole program with you, t like, taking out the legends and putting yourself out there was just... It was so fun, like, I'm marking out right now, but, like, it, 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 it was so fun to watch as a fan because you allowed them to still be great. Like, I think, like, a lot of guys, if they were up in that situation, would have been like, well, no, they're the old f***s, I'm the new guy, I'm going to, like, squash them, but you still allowed them to do all, all, their, all their stuff. So what the story was is the, the movie, you guys remember the movie The Wrestler that came out with Mickey yeah. Rourke? Great movie, great movie. So, unbeknownst to me, Vince had worked out a deal with Mickey Rourke to wrestle Jericho at WrestleMania, whatever year that was. And I get a text from my cousin. We had just done the Royal Rumble in Detroit. He goes, Mickey Rourke was just challenging you on the red carpet of the SAG Awards. And I was like, what? What are you talking about? And he had gone on the red carpet, and he said, you know, I'm going to take on Chris Jericho at WrestleMania. And... Um, so I guess Vince heard about that, called me in his office, said, here's what the plan is. We were going to wait until after the Oscars for him to announce it, but he's announced it now. Uh, so you're going to be wrestling Mickey Rourke at WrestleMania. Now, if you know anything about WrestleMania, obviously, you want to be in the main event. If you're not in the main event, there's always kind of the celebrity match. That's probably even better to be in because you have so many other people watching you because the celebrities. Yeah, in you there. get the press from it too. The press from yeah. it, exactly. And it's, it's, it's a task because he's not a wrestler, but I can wrestle anybody. This is going to be great. What happened was Mickey's agents flipped out that he announced he was going to be wrestling at WrestleMania because you're up for an Oscar. They're not going to give you an Oscar if you are like slumming it with these wrestler guys. So he pulled out. He had to pull out of, of, of the match. So... Vince then sends me to do Larry King live. Larry King was the f best, by the way. What a great guy. Love that guy. One of the best interviewers I ever got to, got to work with. Uh, so Larry King has Mickey Rourke on, and he's having me, and Vince said, I want you to try and, and convince Rourke to do the match. So I'm... Live on air. Live on air. So oh, I'm oh. full-on asshole heel. 
like he's like, yeah, we got Chris Jericho here, my boy. Larry King called me his boy. My boy, Chris Jericho's here. And I'm like, Rourke, you know, I don't respect you. I think you're a coward. I think you're a piece of crap. Like, I'm going hard on him. And Mickey's, Mickey had a lot of uh, history in, 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 in the business. He, you can call it drugs. Drugs, right, yeah. He came out of the gate as a young actor. He was the talk of the town. He got derailed and kind of lost his way for many years. And the wrestler was his return. And for a while, he was going to play by the rules. He didn't want to f*** again. So he was being super nice, but you could see the steam shooting out of his f***ing ears because I was like, you're a coward. You're a coward, Rourke. If I was right beside you, I'd slap your fat face right now. You know what I mean? So, after, so he didn't, you know, afterwards, I, I talked to Vince. He's like, jeez, you went, you went pretty stiff on him, didn't you? I said, you told me to. He goes, I didn't mean to be that mean. Jeez. So the idea after that was Vince had this plan of still wanting to do the idea of the movie The Wrestler, which was a guy holding on to the spotlight long past his prime. So he had the idea of using wrestlers, in my opinion, as the heel, were doing the same thing, just holding on to the spotlight. And it was going to be originally Roddy Piper, Jimmy Snuka, and Greg Valentine. And I said to, to Vince, like, that's a great idea, but the match isn't going to be very good. And he goes, it's not supposed to be good. And I'm like, it's WrestleMania. Like, you always want to have a good match. He goes, no, you don't. Yes, you do. No, you don't. I'm like, Fuck. I said, can we put somebody else in there? He goes, well, they have to, they have to fit the qualifications of, uh, of the rules of the match. I said, well, who's, what are you talking about? Like, whose rules? are they? They're my rules. Does anybody else know? No, but they're my rules. Okay, well, what's your rules? They have to be in the first WrestleMania and they have to be in the WWE Hall of Fame. Those were Vince's rules for the qualifications for these guys. That he hasn't told anybody. He hasn't told okay. anybody. But in his mind, that's, that's the way it is. But so, everyone knows. Okay. okay, so that's the way it is. So I'm thinking, and I was like, because I, I was thinking, maybe can we take out Valentine, put in Jerry Lawler? And he's like, well, Lawler wasn't in the first WrestleMania. I'm like, Fuck. Uh, And then the other guy thought was, what about Steamboat? Because Steamboat, coincidentally, was getting into the Hall of Fame that year. And Vince agreed to use Ricky Steamboat. And then it was like, fuck, like, we finally can have a match. Yeah. You know, so Piper, I think I, I think I beat Piper with an Enziguri, like, in two minutes. It was crazy. Uh, I beat Snooker, and then I went about 10 minutes with Steamboat, who was probably 58 or 59 years old at the time. And he was still better than, like, 80% of the roster. I remember that match yeah. watching as a fan in a sports bar just going, holy f He's still doing it. Yes, and then he got better because he, he came back in. That he uh, he really he's super into training, so he lost a bunch of weight. He got like uh, hair plugs, so he had hair. He looked like six months later. He looked like ten years younger than he was at WrestleMania. And he and Vince hired him as a player coach. So we we traveled everywhere, man. We worked in Tokyo. We worked in uh, Hawaii. We worked in like Greenville, South Carolina. I had like this amazing string of matches with Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. And the best one I'll end off with this we were in greenville south carolina which is one of his old uh hotbeds for steamboat people were going crazy for him it was a sunday house show whatever and the finish was i was supposed to go over but they were so crazy i was like no i'm not gonna i hit him with a code breaker and i said kick out and i told charles robbins the referee he's kicking out he's kicking out he's kicking out he's kicking out so he kicks out and then i said and i couldn't remember what the move was called it's basically a roll-up, but all I could think of was WrestleMania 3 finish, WrestleMania 3 finish, and that's what I say to Steamboat, WrestleMania 3 finish, WrestleMania 3 finish. I couldn't remember. You pick him up for a slam, and he rolls me up. I couldn't, I couldn't say that. I couldn't put the words together, just WrestleMania 3 finish, WrestleMania 3 finish, and I pick him up, and he rolls me up, one, two, three. Crowd goes crazy. Everyone's having a great time. I walk to the back, and Arn Anderson was the age. He's like, you can't even take a win when we book you for one. You're a stupid son of a bitch. You got to take the wins when you get them, kid. That's awesome that you, like, you as a fan, like, you were, like, you were taken back to your time yeah. as a boy, as a fan. And, yeah. that, and that just shows whether you're the legend Chris Jericho or, or one of the new young pups coming up, like, you guys are still fans of this business. Always fans. Even yesterday with Fozzie, if you guys saw the show that we did last night, we had Rudy Sarzo play Crazy Train with us. Yeah. And Rudy was in Ozzy's band with Randy Rhodes, and it was just like, Rudy Sarzo's playing bass with us. So, yeah, I'm still as much of a fan as all of you guys are, and that's important to stay that way always. Always be a fan. 
All right, there are some seriously talented luchadors in AEW, and not all of them speak English, which can make putting together matches a little challenging sometimes. That's why I signed up for Rosetta Stone. I'm learning Spanish, amigos, amigas. See, already learning. Haha, Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. You don't even have to learn Spanish, though, because Rosetta Stone has 25 languages, including French, German, Korean, Arabic, and Polish, and Japanese. That's what I'm going to do next. I spent a lot of time in Japan, and I still work with a lot of Japanese wrestlers at AEW, like Takeshita. So having a better handle on the language will definitely show in the ring. Communication is key. And learning Spanish on Rosetta Stone has been so fun and easy. They've got this true accent feature that gives you feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. Sort of like having a personal trainer for your accent. I'm using the app, but you can also do the lessons on desktop or laptop. I also like that I can download the lessons and do them offline, which is perfect for a plane. I can sit there on a flight and work on my Espanol. So don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Talk is Jericho listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Jericho. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Jericho today. That's rosettastone.com slash Jericho. Do it today. Would you have retired if AEW never existed? That's a great question. So, um, and, th- and this is not said with any sort of bitterness. It's just seeing kind of the writing on the wall. So in 2016, uh, Kevin Owens and Chris Jericho, we-, we were the best friends. We did that whole festival of friendship. Yeah. Amazing angle. Thank you. I just saw Kevin last week, actually, and it was like good to see him again. But like... It was the best story of the year, of that year. I will, I'm not even saying that being braggadocious. It was such a well-crafted story. And when we finally did the Festival of Friendship, my idea was I wanted it to start off like a 1980s David Lee Roth video and end like Game of Thrones, The Red Wedding. So it starts off, and then finally it's like, oh, you're not going to do it, don't do it, do it, and boom, he, he pulls the trigger and turns on me. And I, I still think to this day it's one of the greatest segments in, in Raw history. And I'll tell you if it, if it was a bad one. I'm, I'm not trying to be egotistical. It was just so good. And there was one point where Vince actually told me that, you, that we are going to be the main event of WrestleMania. It's Jericho versus Kevin Owens for the world title main event of WrestleMania. And I've been the Ocho. I'm the Ocho. Eight times I've been the world champion. Never once have I ever been the world champion as a babyface. Not once. Crazy, right? So that was going to be the kind of like you're, you're the babyface, you're going to win. And it's like, listen, we're not marks, but it's pretty cool. Hey, main event of WrestleMania. Like, dude, like, and that's the reason. The only reason is because the story was so good. Wrestling's all about stories, right? And then... And then a week later, um, uh, Brock and Goldberg started a feud, and, and Goldberg won the title from Kevin very quickly. And I was never officially told that I was out of the WrestleMania match, but I was out of the WrestleMania match. And that's fine. It's Vince's, you know, it's Vince's company. He can do what he wants, and I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a professional, whatever, whatever. But then they put us on second at that WrestleMania. And second is like... A really shitty spot to be in. Like, if you're not on last, you want to be on first. Second is just kind of like this weird purgatory, and like the story is so good. Yeah, like being second sucks. I mean, being like the second best dwarf on the cruise, you should ask Hornswoggle what that's like. <laughs> um, it it really sucks for him. It really sucks. It really sucks. <laughs> um. So yeah. So it, it was a drag to be second. I was like. I don't think my uh, time in WWE is, is, is going to last much longer because I can tell that this is what Vince thinks, that I'm a second-match guy, even with this great story. I think I can do better. Uh, and then the idea for, for Japan came up, Jericho versus Omega. Uh, and Those matches, by the way, thank you. Like, you could tell that they let you guys do what you wanted to do and because and like, you were doing – throwback stuff you were doing a brand new sides of you like yeah. all, all in one match and the, those, those matches were just so f- incredible well, and the thing is there was only there's only two of them i've only wrestled kenny twice in a singles match but the, the tokyo dome one was huge and it did great business and it really made me realize that, that i made the right call to, to go to new japan 
And I, I would probably, it's a long-winded answer, but I, I probably would be in Japan wrestling. But then with the lockdown, I wouldn't have gone because you had to do two weeks of, curf- of uh, quarantining and all that shit. So um, the answer is I might be retired if there was no AEW. Because AEW really ignited my passion for wrestling. Uh, it, it reignited my creativity and made me realize how much fun wrestling is. Working in WWE, it's, it's, it's very mentally taxing. And AW is mentally taxing as well, but it's a whole different thing. And also, to be part of AW from the beginning, it was a real risk. And I was like, I'm going to take this chance. This is either going to add to Chris Jericho's legacy, or it's going to end up, you know, I'll have to crawl back to WWE with my tail between my legs if it doesn't work out. But I knew that there was a really good chance that it would work. I just felt it because we had Tony's passion. Let's be honest, Tony's money. And we had a real collection of, which you need money to start. This is true. But we had a real collection of talent, world-class talent that no one had really seen before. You know, if you didn't watch Ring of Honor or New Japan or PWG, which how many people watch 10% of the wrestling events? You would never know who Kenny was. You wouldn't know the Bucks, Hangman. No one knew Cody at the time. Last time you saw him, he was Stardust. Like, this whole collection of guys, it's like we could really do something here and right out of the gate we did and right out of the gate one of the reasons uh, one of my missions was building young stars which we've done a great job of so i really you can hear from my voice i'm really excited to be part of aw um and and i'm really glad that that it exists and i'll go like you say that building young stars and when you look at aw's roster dante martin is 21 i thought that guy that's incredible and uh, I was talking with uh, uh, Action Andretti last night, um, he, and he was very drunk. Uh, so were you? Yes, I was. I was. I was one and a half beers in. Uh, <laughs> me up quick. But one thing that I got him to answer, which I hope he doesn't mind me saying. Hope you don't mind me saying. But him beating you, the jobber beating the biggest name in the company, that was your idea. Yeah, we. Um, so I saw action in washington dc he worked a dark match against qt marshall and he was great i was like this guy's really good but we've got a lot of great athletes what what kind of a promo does he do so i had sanjay dot who's one of our uh does like backstage vignettes and stuff i said take him outside and do a promo with him let's see how he does so i i, I kind of hit around the corner and listened to him do a promo on qt marshall and then I walked around the corner to where he was. And I said, that's really, really good. Now do a promo about Sammy Guevara. And off the top of his head, with no hesitation, with me standing there, he cut this really good promo on Sammy Guevara, just improv And I was like, okay. So I went back and told Tony, this guy's a good promo. He's, he's, he's a great wrestler. I said, let's sign him, but don't put him on TV. I've got an idea. When the time is right. And this poor kid was at home. He's like, yeah, they signed me three months ago, but no one's called me since. I'm like, it's cool, man. Trust me. It's all going to be worth it. And finally, when we finished the, ring, the Ocho thing and the Ring of Honor title, you know, I lose to Claudio. And then I'm like, I need a tune-up match against a jobber. And then we start the match as if it's an enhancement match. Yeah. He doesn't get anything. And people are like playing along. They're gentle, let's go, jobber. And I'm like, this crowd is so hot. And then, you know, I gave him one little bit of offense, hit him with my finish, one, two, he kicks out. And the best part was, like, he, like he, you know, he's super excited and, and, and going crazy. And this was right before the break. And he starts moving, and I was like, all I wanted him to do for three minutes, had he not moved, I could have sold that and had the crowd going nuts. Don't do a damn thing, just sit there. Hit him with the finish, code breaker, he kicks out. I literally could have sat here like this for three minutes. And he starts moving. I tell Aubrey, tell him to stop, tell him to stop, tell him to stop. But he's, you know, what? so I was like, oh, it would have been so great. Like, what a great test. Three minutes of doing nothing and having the crowd go crazy. Holy shit. Yeah, so then we come back from break, and then suddenly he's getting more moves. And then people are like, yeah, this is great. It'd be great if he won, but there's no way he's going to win. It's going to be like, you know, Hunter and Takamichinoku, where he almost wins, and then you lose at the end, but then he beats me and I just that was one of my all-time favorite moments because nobody saw it coming 
Nobody. We nobody saw it coming. Yeah, and, there's a lot of matches. You know, you see a guy like Wardlow and a guy like you're like, okay, they got this guy from the Independence right. or whatever. Like you know what's going to happen in the match essentially. But that one, nobody saw that. And uh, I, I'm sure he won't mind me telling you this. When I asked uh, him to tell me that story, and he did the smile on that guy's face. So you've made it for him. You you made you made it for that guy. He appreciates it. Well, and the thing is. And to his credit, man, like, he got thrown in the deep end, dude. Like, this is main event shit. And I don't know, he's been wrestling maybe three years, and he's doing really, really good. It's, that's a lot of pressure for a young guy. Because it's not just like, because everyone, like, you know, all the haters, like, oh, what's the follow-up going to be? Oh, Jericho will just beat him next week? It's like, no, we've got a fucking plan. And this is, this is the idea of what we're doing. And he's done a great job, man. It's not easy. So, um, yeah, so, you know, it's a great, it's a great, uh, uh, jumping off point for him and we've done that with so many guys and i'll continue to do that because it's my job hell yeah this episode is brought to you by progressive where drivers who save by switching save nearly 750 dollars on average plus auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts quote now at progressive.com to see if you could save progressive casualty insurance company and affiliates national average 12 month savings of 744 dollars by new customers surveyed who saved with progressive between june 2022 and may 2023 potential savings will vary discounts not available in all states and situations talked about the origin story kind of of aew uh how about another origin story how did the oh this is from angela how did the Jericho cruise originate? Where did you get the idea? P.S. Glad you came up with it. It's been it's been a blast. P.S. Hornswoggle sucks. <laughs> I may have added that. Yeah, I was going to say he might have added that. Yeah, I think Brad's going into business for himself here. <laughs> Sounds like he's making a challenge. Um, so the Jericho cruise originated in 2015. Fozzie got invited onto the Kiss cruise, and um, I was on this boat too, right? I think it was yeah on yeah. this boat and. Uh, it was my first like cruise, you know, uh, to be on with the band, and I just was, I was really impressed with how how many things there were to do, how many activities they were, and I started thinking like I could do this. Like, what am I into? Wrestling, music, midgets, comedy, mid- <laughs> midgets, giants. By the way, how genius is that for for Brad and Satnam Singh to do the do the toast at the beginning? It was great. Uh. I gra- like because uh, the boat was swaying a little bit when I got onto that platform and I like grabbed onto his leg for balance and I'm like, oh, f- that's not his leg. <laughs> so um, I was just thinking like, okay, like you know, comedy, paranormal, like just I I think I could do this. So I, I talked to to Fozzie's manager, he's my partner on this, Mark Willis, and I was like, dude, I got this idea. I think we can make this work. And Sixth Man, we see if you see the name Sixth Man, they're like the they're like my partners on the ship. They do theme cruises, and Mark knew one of the guys who worked at Sixth Man. So we started trying to have meetings, and it took a while. It took three years, 2015 to 2018, to get this cruise up and running. And the first thing that I did was uh, my first idea was I'm going to have NXT come on board because I was like I'm not a promoter I don't know where to pull guys from indies let me if I can work with a company and then they can send whoever they want I don't have to worry about that part of it they can book the matches they can have you know whatever they want to do and so I approached Hunter uh, in Philadelphia I remember I had a meeting with him about having NXT on my cruise now people thought I was nuts at first they always think I'm nuts when I have these ideas like how are you going to have wrestling in the middle of the ocean? I'm like, well, dude, we have, I just played a rock show in the middle of the ocean. Like, it's the same thing. It's not like you're, like, you know, sometimes it's a little bit, but most of the time it's pretty smooth and there's not like, it's not dangerous. So um, I talked with NXT for a while in classic WWF fashion. They finally called me in a group call with about seven people on it and 45 minutes to tell me that they weren't interested. I was like, you could have just said, hey, guys, we're not interested. Bye. 45 minutes. And the reason I found out was that, this is so classic, Vince doesn't like cruises. Because he had just seen the news 
where I guess uh, there was a cruise where um, a bunch of people got food poisoning. Like it's something out of something happened where like whatever. It's not going to happen on this cruise. I guarantee that. And he was convinced that every cruise people like die of food poisoning. And, and I was like, he was like, yeah, he's like, he's worried that you know, there might be problems with the ship. I'm like, was he scared it's going to hit a iceberg? We're going to Mexico. It's fine. So anyways, uh, uh, NXT passed, and that, as soon as that 45-minute waste of time call was done, I picked up the phone and called Cody, who connected me with Hunter Delirious, who connected me with Joe Coff of Ring of Honor, and we had the Ring of Honor deal done in about 10 minutes. That quick. And so that was, that, okay, so now I got Ring of Honor. Now, what bands am I going to put on? So I was looking at, at some of the bands, and like I, I, I called Alice Cooper because I know Alice, and it's like the, 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 the big money, as he should get, he's Alice Cooper. I couldn't afford it because I, I have to pay the budget for all the talent on the cruise. That comes out of my pocket, right? Yes, it does. Yes. So I have like... I have, thank you, Brad. I have a budget. I'll send you, you my invoice. <laughs> and you guys see how much talent is on this cruise. There's so much. So I got to be smart on, 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 you know, who I can book and what I can afford. And all these bands, Alter Bridge, Papa Roach, they want like 150 grand, 200 grand. It's like, I can't afford that. That's my whole budget. So I, I, I just bet on myself, which I always do. So I'm putting Fozzie on top. Fozzie's the headlining band. Chris Jericho's the name because I'm not going to f*** myself. I'm not going to ask myself for more money and I'm not going to skip the cruise. I'm going to be here. There you go. So then the last thing we had to do, and this is inside stuff, we ha one of the biggest problems was the ring on the pool deck. How do you make sure that it's locked down? Like, how do you make sure that it won't, like, move? And I'm like, well, how's it going to move? It's like, if you hit, like, I don't know, hurricane winds, and the boat's really rocking, if that ring is moving like it's dangerous so we had to literally hire a team of engineers to figure out a way to keep this ring secure and i said like, can't we just chain it like no no like that doesn't work so what they came up with is ba ballasts ballast is that what it's called big oh, don't look at me <laughs> big big cubes four big cubes that are filled with water uh, like a, like a ton of water or whatever it may be. So so the ring is built around these cubes. That it will never move because the water is so heavy that like it's locked in. So that's what the ring is based around and built on. And I own these water ballasts that like they're in storage during the year. So I actually own the patent for the water ballasts to hold the ring on board the ship. Didn't think you'd come to a wrestling cruise and hear about patent law, did you? <laughs> That's right. Oh, and, and, then the, and then you also had um, impact on the first cruise as well. I did, yeah, because at the time, uh, Scott DeMore and Don Callis was one of the heads, and Don is obviously a very good friend of mine, and we came up with the idea of maybe doing like uh, impact versus Ring of Honor, you know, like a, a series of matches. So, yeah, it was, it was really cool, and it's funny because that year we had like Bucks and Candy and all those guys. Uh, but every year we've put people on that have become bigger stars. Like, if you guys remember, Britt Baker, the very first, yes, her very first kind of breakout promo where she became DMD was on this cruise. The very first time fans sang Judas was on this cruise. And the first time uh, Danhausen called the gun club, the ass boys was on this. Really? Cruise. It was. See, those things happen every year. So it was during it, the comedy show. Dan Housen, hey, we have Billy ass and the ass boys. And then, <laughs> and, and then the fans, just, you guys just took it. And now that's like a phenomenon where they, where, where, where they can't go to an Applebee's without being called ass boys. <laughs> but then that's the thing. We've really figured out kind of how to do the cruise. How was it? Brad, he's the director of last, but he really does book all the comedians. So I leave that up to Brad. You know, um, Thank you. I, I've always had like a dance troupe, a, a girls dance troupe. I like that idea of as well. The Vaudettes are awesome. I just told them, yeah, are they here? Yeah. I told them yesterday or two nights ago, you guys have a lifetime contract on this ship because they're so good at what they do. I love having Dave Schrader with his paranormal stories, his ghost stories. So like I really, I've locked in, like in Dave's shows are always packed. I think 
there's so much stuff to do that you almost can't do everything you want to do. And I, I like that because it, I think, helps people to come, keep coming back. So. And we'll all come back to Mexico next year, right? They're all going to be here again. You know who's living large at my house? My three cats, Mr. Mittens, Indy, and Snickers. And you know why? Because we switched them to Pretty Litter. Okay, so it's really me and my wife and my daughters who are living large, thanks to Pretty Litter. Because Pretty Litter's ultra-absorbent crystals trap odor instantly, so no more bad cat smells in the bathroom. Pretty Litter crystals last up to a month, so less cat litter box cleaning for all of us. And less fighting about whose turn it is to clean the litter box. I gotta deal with this fight every single week between my daughters. This makes it so much easier. Pretty Litter also ships right to our front door, so no more last-minute mad scramble runs to the store because we're out of kitty litter. And Pretty Litter has another cool feature that makes life just a little easier. It helps us keep tabs on our cat's health. It changes colors so you can monitor early signs of potential illnesses like urinary tract infections and kidney issues. It's easily the best thing we've done for ourselves and our cats in a very long time. Like I said, Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. Those are two big wins in my house, meow. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. So go to prettylitter.com slash Jericho and use code Jericho to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash Jericho. Code Jericho to save 20%. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. All right. I mean, off the top of all of our heads, we can rattle off so many Chris Jericho catchphrases. Uh, This is a question from Matt, and I'm going to actually add to it. What is your favorite catchphrase that you've come up with? And I'll say, what is the catchphrase that you thought would work but didn't? Two-part question. It's interesting, favorite catchphrase. So to me, I'm like, uh, I always like moving forward, like, I don't ever want to be a nostalgia act, so I always want to reinvent. And I love the fact that, like, people, they still sometimes chant Y2J, which makes me laugh because it's 20 years, and I'm thinking, I've done so much stuff, but then I realize it's okay. Like, the people love Y2J. That's, that's great. People, for, for about three years after the Kevin Owens thing, can you put me on the list? Can you put me on the list? Everybody wanted to go on the list. I had to make a rule. Like, no, you got to make your own list. I'm not putting you on the list because it's my list. Make your own list. So th- that one was huge. The list like was so ridiculous. But I watched back some of the stuff and like it's 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 really funny because I was so committed to it, right? And people, if you want to get something over, you have to commit to it. And I just watched it back the other day with like the pen, right? Like, and I remember the first time I put somebody on the list it was Mick Foley, but the second time was uh, the New Day, and I told them. Especially Woods. Woods is, all three of them are great, but Woods is the f- greatest. He's the best guy. Uh, and I said, dude, when I threaten to put you on the list, you got to sell it like it's the worst thing ever. If you, if you laugh it off, it'll die. If you put it over, I, we could have something here. And it was so great. So you know what happens? Xavier Woods, you know what happens? And I put the f- pen up, and I'm just holding it. And I click it like an asshole. You just made a list and put them on. He's like, no, no, no. And right at that moment, the list was made. Xavier Woods helped make the list into what it was. Yeah. Worst ones? Yeah. I thought Razzle Dazzle <laughs> was going to be huge. I just like... That's, What's the context of Razzle Dazzle? I don't know. I just like the idea. I just heard probably Sammy Davis Jr. say it or something. I was like, Razzle Dazzle. I like that. And I said it a couple times and it didn't work. And another one that I had Sounds was... Sounds like a job of wrestler. Razzle <laughs> yeah, Dazzle. Dazzle. Razzle oh. Dazzle. <laughs> Razzle Dazzle. Um, so then... So the other one that I had was... It was a get it, got it, good. So I would say get it. The crowd would say got it. And then I would say good. Get it? Good. That one didn't get over either. <laughs> Why not? I mean, hey. Maybe I should bring that one back out. Give it a try. Yeah. That's the next thing that'll be born right here on this cruise. That'll then be worldwide successful. But talking, uh, Le Champion was uh, beginning of AEW, and I just love the pompousness of that. Like, I'm going to yeah. call myself the champion, but in French. I don't even know if it's even proper French. I just like that. And then the Ocho, which got over huge, that was Tony Khan's idea. Uh, he's like, you know, you've won the, he's such a detail guy. You've won the world title eight times. You're the Ocho, because we all love dodgeball and ESPN ate the Ocho. Yeah. And that's how that started, and it, it, it really caught on. So uh, that's another, another one that I really enjoy. 
This is kind of a joke question, but I like it. Uh, this is from Jeff Goulet. He says, what were the four holds that you knew that Dean Malenko did not? A Lithuanian armbar. <laughs> Canadian head crusher. Mexican armbar. And just an armbar. <laughs> I love that. This one's from uh, uh, Joe from Ontario. Canadian boy. Uh, what's the most obscure uh, place that you either played or wrestled? It's crazy, like... WWE especially literally is in like 200 countries. So we've been to like Thailand and, and like I mentioned, Singapore, Malaysia, places like that. But then you get to Mexico where I remember there's a place called um, Matamoros. It was one of the early, early, early matches in Mexico. Uh, it's by the border. And we went there um, and I remember it's Matamoros and we walked into this arena and it looked like blood sport, like it was a cage surrounding uh, the ring and the cage had spikes on top of it Jesus. to keep people from jumping in the ring. Like people would try and get in there and, and jump in there. So it, and it was super dusty and it was kind of really gross. But the thing about it was afterwards there was uh, no shower and it was super dusty and muddy and it's like, you know, I just want to try and rinse off and it's like, no, there's no shower but, but there's a toilet. What? No. They, <laughs> they stuck a hose in the back of the toilet and like siphoned it, like sucked the water and they were using. And I was like, dude. And that's just... how they got food poisoning on that cruise. Yeah. <laughs> but the guy was like, I'm like, dude, that's a toilet. Amigo, it's clean water in the back. I'm like, no, it's a toilet. Toilet water is toilet water no matter what part of the toilet it comes from. So there you go. A shower out of the back of a toilet in Matamoros. Wow. Uh, all right. This question comes from a... Uh, Paul Levesque. I don't know how you pronounce that. It says, hey, uh, I just inherited a sort of an upstart wrestling company. I was wondering if we could get on the cruise. Weird. Uh, you had your chance. <laughs> this question's from Noel M. Uh, where do you see yourself in 10 to 20 years? It's funny. So, um, and you, you made a joke last night about me being 52. It's crazy. Like, I don't ever think that. Like, I really don't. I think this last year, 2022, was maybe one of the best years I've ever had in the ring. Like, it just, everything was clicking. Um, you guys know the story that I had the pulmonary embolism last year. So I, I lost a bunch of weight and I got all my, you know, clean bill of health and all that sort of shit. So it just really kind of, once again, re-energized me. So 10 to 20 years, I mean, obviously, probably won't be wrestling, but knows but i'll definitely be doing this i saw i saw the stones in london uh in july and mick jagger's 80 and he's still the best like he looks great he sounds great he's got so much energy rudy sarzo's 72 looks exactly like he did like these guys inspire me like age really is just the number it's how you feel uh and and kind of mentally where you're at so I'm an entertainer. I've been an entertainer since I was 19 years old. Uh, if I don't have a cruise or Fozzie or a podcast or acting or whatever, I'll be busking outside of Starbucks with an acoustic guitar. This is all I know how to do. So hopefully and you guys will throw me some change. We will all be at that Starbucks, I have a feeling. All right. This is from Jimmy Roberts. Uh, what is the one match you may have thought was going to be absolute garbage that turned out <laughs> to be a significant great match. Wow. I mean, I don't think any matches would be garbage because when you get to a certain level, everybody's good. But there are certain guys that just could not have a good match with. Like, when I was uh, in 97, I went to Japan. I was Super Liger. And Super Liger was like the uh, evil version of Jushin Liger, who was obviously a very famous Japanese masked guy. So I was getting sent over there to be uh, Liger's rival. And the costume is really cool. It was a full-on mask, but the problem was it was a full-on mask. I'd never wore a mask in my life. It had, like, these red, like a red, um, uh, like, a, like a great type of a thing over the eyes. Yeah, yeah, mesh. There you go. So I, could, I couldn't really see. And this outfit was like, it was a bodysuit 
But when I put it on, I was like wearing a scuba diving outfit. Like I was almost kind of like walking kind of like this sort of thing. And the match was terrible. I mean, Super Liger, you know, lived and died in the same night. It was a really bad match with this guy, Kanemoto. Um, and it's kind of the opposite. I was expected it to be a great match, and it was absolute garbage. It was so bad. Uh, and uh, afterwards, I was supposed to go on the next tour in Japan as Super Liger, uh, and the, but they took my costume away. They're like, oh, we're going to keep this. I'm like, I, I get, we, we, we'll give it back to you when you come back. And I started, like, getting the hint, like, ooh, like, was it really that bad? Like, was it really that bad? And the answer was yes. It was rotten. So they, they, they had already got me the work visa for the next tour. So I came back, but not as Super Liger. Super Liger was dead. And so I knew the first match that I had back had to be great. So my, this could be it for me. I had a match. It was actually really good. And Ricky Choshu was the, the, the booker, legendary Japanese wrestler. And I walked by. He's like, hey, you... Uh, Chris Jericho? Yes. Hmm. Super Lager, right? I said, yeah. He goes, ah. Chris Jericho, very good. Super Lager, very bad. And I said, Super Lager's dead? He goes, ah, I think so. <laughs> so if you ever see the picture of Super Lager, he lived and died in the same night. I don't know. I think Super Liger could come back and have the catchphrase, get it, got it good. And I think that's how we finally get that bitch over. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is from Lindsay Smith. Who is a dream match for you that you've never actually gotten to wrestle? The one kind of uh, that I did wrestle, but only basically once, was Undertaker. We had a great match on SmackDown. And I remember when I came back, I was super hungover too. We were in England and I, it was my birthday the night before and I was f so hungover. But it's like Undertaker, like smack, smack, smack. And we had this match and when I came back through the curtain, I remember he was just sitting in a chair with his straps down and he was just like, yep, that's money. And I was like, where have you been all my life? It's like when I worked with Danielson this year, it's like we've been in the same company for like 10 years and we never had a match. We've been in Undertaker and I never had a pay-per-view match just this one match because he was always on smackdown when i was on raw vice versa every time we like cross paths was always great i actually even won the title from him once in an elimination chamber but we never had a singles pay-per-view match and feud and to me that's one of the, the biggest misses in wwe history because i know we would have had a great story and a great a great uh, a great angle and the other guys that i never wrestled are a pair of brothers called the hart brothers uh, i never wrestled with brett and I never got to wrestle with Owen. And I wish I could have had a chance to work with both of them because I think both those guys we would have tore it up. Yeah. Well, that's a good lead into this question because, you know, they come from Smoky Mountain Wrestling. And Rob Jacobson, what's, what, what is one of your favorite memories of Smoky Mountain Wrestling? So Smoky Mountain Wrestling was a, was a territory in Knoxville, Tennessee. And it was kind of one of the last old school territories. What a territory was, which you would, we lived in Knoxville, and you would work five nights a week driving to all the towns around Knoxville within 300 miles and 350 miles. So you were always constantly working about 20, 20 shows a month or so. And it was a great place to learn because there was uh, like Rock and Roll Express was working there, um, Tracy Smothers, uh, Dirty White Boy, Bob Armstrong, these are guys that have like years of experience, but on the regional level, I mean, Rock and Roll Express, obviously huge, but those other guys are more regional guys. So you could really learn like how to do promos. Uh, that's where I really learned how to do promos from, from Bob Armstrong. He was such a great, he's a father of the road dog and uh, the late great Brad Armstrong and the other brothers. But um, I really learned the art of the promo from Smoky Mountain Wrestling. Um, I was always an okay promo because I had confidence, but I really learned how to put your opponent over and how to how to build up anticipation for a match. And I just would sit there and watch these guys do these promos, guys that you never even heard of before who were just really good but just didn't have what it took to make it to the next level. 
so but, but probably the craziest memory I have was my last match I ever had in Smoky Mountain. It was called Night of the Legends. And um, I remember Cornette said, if, if, if we don't sell this out, uh, I will dance to the ring naked to back in black. And I was like, well, we better sell this out then. I would have bought tickets and just not showed up <laughs> yeah. just to see that. Yeah. So he, uh, we did sell it out. Um, this Knoxville Coliseum, there was about 5,000 people there, which was huge, huge, huge. To this day, 5,000. You were there? You're there. Wow. That's cool. 20, almost, almost 30 years ago, man. Can you believe it? 1994. So uh, beforehand, I was in the ring because I had Ultimo Dragon. I was working in Japan a lot. He had convinced me that I could do a shooting star press, that you have the athletic ability to do a shooting star press. Now, shooting star press is a pretty crazy move. It's where you kind of start out looking here and you go in the air and you flip around and you land that way. It's like a dive, a diving move. And for some reason, this is back when like you're still very young in the business. If I don't do a shooting star press, I'm never going to make it. I have to do a shooting star press. It became my white whale. <laughs> so when night of the legends, uh, I see Cornette. I said, I'm going to go to the ring and practice a few things. He said, sure. Just don't get hurt. I go to the top rope by myself, no spotter, no mat, no nothing, and I try and do a shooting star press, and I bail. It's terrible. I landed right on my arm like this, and I look at my arm, and there's like my arm, and then a divot, and then my arm. And I remember I see Lance Storm, like, does this look right to you? He almost pukes. He's like, whoa. I said, what? He goes, dude, look at your arm. It's like, is that bad? So I go to the hospital, and if you ever see me up close, you see the scar that I have there. Yep. I've got a, about a, a six-inch scar right here. I broke my arm. It's called a, a, a camera, whatever the fuck it's called. Compound fracture. Thank you. And uh, I'm like, shit. I got to wrestle tonight. Cornette's going to kill me. So um, the guy's like, you need surgery. We got to put a steel plate in there. Um, we got to get this done like now. I said, well... <laughs> I got to go to this wrestling show. And he's like, you're crazy. Like, no, no, I'm not going to actually wrestle. I'm just, I got to go in the front row and like wave high to the crowd. He's like, we're not waving with that arm. So um, he puts a soft cast on my arm and he goes, okay, we'll, we'll see you tomorrow for surgery at 7 a.m. Okay. I go to the building. Cornette is there and he's furious. You idiot. What the f*** are you doing? Bella? I'm like, don't worry, Jimmy. I'm going to wrestle. I promise. I'm going to wrestle. Okay, he's going to let me wrestle a broken arm. Like, how crazy are we back then, right? And I worked with, uh, it, was, it was me and Lance against Jimmy Del Rey, who's no longer with us, and Dr. Tom Pritchard. They were called the Heavenly Bodies. And they, like, I was like, guys, we are doing the match that we had planned. Like, we're doing, and they're like, calm down, kid. They took care of me. I was body slamming them with one arm, like, punching with my left, just stiffing the shit out of them because I had no control. Um, if you ever see pictures from that match, I'm covered in blood. And it's not because uh, I did a bad uh, gig job. It's because I had taken aspirin, and they'd given me aspirin for my arm, so my blood was super thin. Blood thinners, I, yeah. The, the, the cut was very small, but I was so much blood. It looked like Carrie, the movie, where she gets the bucket of blood poured on. I remember a hillbilly in the front row. It was like, is that real blood? He grabs it, tastes it. And that was Sammy Guevara's dad. <laughs> he does that shit. It's very weird. But I'm like, how could this not be real blood? Do I have a pump hooked up on top of my head? <laughs> so, yeah, I was covered in blood, and we did this match, and we win. It was the big win. Uh, and uh, afterwards, back then, you would go to the gimmick table, and you would sign autographs and, and sign merch. And I'm at the gimmick table with my cast on. And for whatever reason, I, didn't, I never met any girls in, in Knoxville. You know, a couple strippers here and there, but never any girls to really hang out with. And I'm at the gimmick table, and these two girls come up, the Daisy Dukes. They look like Daisy Duke. Like, they're so hot country girls. And they invited me to go. I'll never forget the name of the club in Knoxville. It was called Cotton Eyed Joe's. You want to come to Cotton Eyed Joe's with us and have some drinks? I'm like, no, I got to get my arm surgery tomorrow at 7. So not only did I have a broken arm, not only was my last match in, in smoking wrestling, but I never got to go hang out with the two Daisy Duke chicks at Cotton Eye Joe's. It was a shitty night. <laughs> I think things worked out for you in the end, though. I'm going to be safe on that front. Uh, here's something that's not about wrestling, so I think that that's a good topic. What was your first metal show? This is from Sherry. What sparked your love of metal? 
Uh, my first concert I ever saw was The Police Synchronicity Tour, 1983. Amazing show to see. And then I think my first metal show was Iron Maiden with Power Slave Tour with Twisted Sister opening up. Damn. And the ticket, I had the, I had the stub for years. It cost eight bucks. <laughs> Whoa. And it's one of those ones, you know, your mom drops you off, but like not in front of the arena. Like, no, drop, drop me off about a block yeah, away, yeah, mom. She dropped us off and picked us up back in the day. So that was it, Iron Maiden. Good start. Awesome, man. Uh, then, um, Got time for like two or three more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is from Chris. Post quick. Now, he talks about has creativity always been uh there for you or was it something you developed out of a necessity to succeed as a wrestler i don't think you can develop creativity i mean obviously you can work on it, but either you have it or you don't but i remember like i was always doing um we'd always make movies when i was a kid with the old school vhs camera we figure out a way to edit you, you could plug one camera into another camera and you can edit things um so always making movies Always played in bands since I was about 12. And high school play every year. I was Actually, I was a great Bill Sykes in Oliver. If you guys have ever seen Oliver. So Bill Sykes is the bad guy. Yeah. And I dyed my hair black for it. I was like 16. My mom freaked out. She was so mad at me. It was like, I got Bill Sykes. She's like, ah, you've got black hair. It's terrible. I got to commit to the role. And she's like, who do you think you are, De Niro? I'm like, Yes. <laughs> yes, I am. And I had a bullwhip that I, I bought a bullwhip at a garage sale once. So I, Bill Sykes had a bullwhip that I was like Indiana Jones or whatever. Uh, and I actually did a stunt where the, 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 at the end, Bill Sykes gets shot. And uh, I was like, I, they, you just fall down on the stage. I mean, no, 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 I want to take a, like, I didn't know what a bump was at the time. I want to take a bump off this set. And so we built like a big platform with a mat. It was like an early version of getting powerbombed through the stage. And I was like, so I was taking bumps and I had black hair and using a bullwhip. And I was like, this is great. Maybe that's why I've only been a heel when I won the world title because I love being Bill Sykes. And just people were so terrified of me. They got to sing. So um, I always had that show business element to me. So uh, and it's still here to this day. Absolutely. Uh, I think we'll do like two more questions. Uh, you know, you've done so many projects outside of wrestling like it's not just wrestling it's not just music uh this is this question has something to do with that um how was working with kevin smith and do you plan on working with him again so kevin's great like i've known kevin for a while and it's just something that bands always say and it's uh and and, and directors is like you know we should do something together sometime we should tour together sometime like every band ever has said that to other guys in the band yeah we should do a tour that's great rarely does it ever happen and Kevin was always like, We're gonna, we got to do something. we got to do something together. And lo and behold, one day he calls me. He goes, hey, I'm in Sarasota. I'm like, hey, you want to do a Bad News Bears podcast? Because uh, he loves the Bad News Bears like I do. And he's like, well, no, I'm filming a movie. I was like, oh, that's cool. He goes, you want to come play with us? I'm like, what? You want to come play with us? You want to come be in this movie? And it was called uh, Kilroy Was Here. And it's a horror movie anthology that he released as an NFT, which was very crazy. But... Um, uh, so I was like, yeah, sure. Like, what am I going to be? Like, you know, bouncer number three or whatever. But he's like, no, you're going to be the gator chaser. And the story is, is really it's a f***ed up role. It's this redneck guy who he's trolling, like, gay guys to then out them as being gay. So he's a very evil, mean guy. He ends up getting eaten by an alligator and murdered and killed, right? So um, the role is much better than I just described it. But it was it was a big role. Could have just been called Florida Man at that yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, it was a it was a really big role, and I also had to film it because the Gator Chaser is on like Instagram Live when he's doing these evil deeds. So Kevin was so impressed that I was able. I, he, just, he did such a great job acting, but also you filmed yourself. You're the cameraman, so he was like, he's like, every movie I ever make from now on, you're going to be in it. I'm like, okay, sure. Then he calls me for Jay and Silent Bob uh, uh, re reboot. And this time he has me playing a, a, a Ku Klux Klan Grand Wizard. Yeah, that made Hornswoggle very excited. <laughs> so that, and then of course I get covered in shit from Jay and Silent Bob, and I, you know, he's like, he's like, dude, you're the nicest guy, and I cast you in the in the most evil parts. But that's I like it, right? So, yeah. so yeah, so that's uh, 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 and, and to his word, every movie he's made since he's called me to to be in it. So and that's a very rare thing, but. Kevin's awesome. He's a great guy. And uh, one of these days, I'm going to get him on the Jericho Cruise. That'd be great. So, I'll have this be, I'll have this be the final question. So, we, you talk about Kevin Smith. You're involved with Fozzie. You're involved, obviously, with AEW. And it's 
Winnipeggers? Like, is there something else that you're gonna try to do? That uh, is, is there anything coming up that maybe we all don't know about? Mass Singer was crazy. Like, yeah, it's it's interesting because like I never sat down and said I want to be in the Mass Singer or I want to host a show about giant fighting robots on the Sci Fi Channel. Like these things just kind of come to me. And the cool thing about where I'm at in in this stage of my life is I I I don't have to do anything I don't want to do. Uh, I'm basically my own boss, and these projects come across the table and like Mass Singer for example they asked me to do it when it first came out I was like that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life like it's so stupid no way and then I watched it it's like this is actually really cool and and when they had the idea for me to do it I wanted to do something completely opposite of what you would expect Chris Jericho was doing so I had the idea of being like some kind of a fairy like Tinkerbell or something they came up with the idea of, of the bride which was a giant purple dinosaur wearing a bride costume uh, which was great. It was super. I, was, I felt like Godzilla from those old uh, Toho <laughs> movies back in the fifties, like this giant costume. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so these things come up, and they're just exciting and fun. And also, like this sounds a little bit kind of cheesy, but it really is true for me. I feel like I I have to live up to the standards that you guys uh, have for me. Like I have to do cool stuff to keep you guys entertained, but it's got to be right because I don't want to do like they asked me to do a celebrity diving once. Oh, that, that was with. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and Louis Anderson. Louis Anderson. Yeah. I passed on Celebrity Oh, Splash. Diving. Oh, sorry. I got my Celebrity Diving shows wrong. It was, there was, a, it was a show, right? Yeah. There was Celebrity. Oh, oh that's the name of it. Yeah, sorry. There was about Celebrity that. Magician. Like all these weird ones. It's just, that's like If you guys saw me doing that stuff, it'd be like, eh. So I, I, I like to pick stuff that if it seems cool to me, if I think it's cool, I think you guys will think it's cool and you'll enjoy uh, enjoy it. So, yeah, I have great responsibility to keep all you guys entertained. I really take that seriously. So that's why I choose the things that I do to make sure that everybody uh, still has a good time and has cool stuff to watch and be a part of. There you go, everybody. The Ocho, Le Champion. Thank you for your questions. Chris Jericho, everyone.